All right, well, we're in James, and we're going to the fifth uh, chapter here, and uh, this week and next week, we'll be finishing up. Uh, we're going we're gonna to stop in kind of an awkward place right in the middle of a verse this morning, but uh, I want to make sure that we give full attention to everything that, that uh, God has for us in these verses. We're going to be looking at verses 13 and the first part of verse 14 this morning. And uh, before we get started with that, uh, I've titled this uh, Breathe! Exclamation point. Uh, you're not going to have your notes, so I guess you'll have to listen especially close because they're not going to be up on the screen. Uh, so, uh, but it's Breathe! When, uh, when Patty and I uh, were expecting our first child, we decided to go to a, uh, a class on how to do this. You know, how, how do you have a baby? And, and uh, husbands were encouraged to come so that we who, uh, could, who knew nothing about having a baby and would never have a baby would be able to coach our wives through the process. And, and so we went to these classes. And the biggest takeaway from these classes, they, I know they probably talked about a bunch of other stuff, but what I was responsible for was breathing, okay? Making sure that my wife just didn't stop breathing. Uh, and actually, there were, there were uh, three different breaths that I remember to this day. And, and the first one was when you first start feeling those pains come, then take what they called a cleansing breath. Now, you have to purse your lips. It's really important. Can you do this with me? Not when you take in. You take in. Actually, you take in through your nose, and then you purse your lips to breathe out. So let's do this. Do you feel cleansed? <laughs> now, when the pain really gets bad, this was the hard part. I had to have a little doll or a teddy bear or something like that. She had to focus on that. It, it kind of got slapped out of my hand at one point. Uh, but... And I, to this day, I don't know where it is. But <laughs> when, the, when the pains get really bad, then, then you start the he breaths. <laughs> I call it panting, you know. But it's the pain's really bad. Patty, he breath, he breath, he breath. <laughs> that's, can you do that? <laughs> All right, that's, that's when the pain is really bad. You have to know how to breathe. And then finally, when the pain subsides... It's the relaxing breath. And this is the fun one, all right? Your mouth is open the whole time. Oh, and you feel so much better. <laughs> now, here's the thing about life. The pain starts. And you know it's going to get worse. Something happens in your life. And you know it's going to get worse. And it's the time for a cleansing breath. It's a time to look to the Lord and say, Oh God, I don't think I have the strength. Oh God, I don't know the way to go. I don't know what your plan is right now. And so we take that cleansing breath in prayer. And then it gets hard. And as it gets hard, the breaths, 
they come quicker and quicker and quicker, and the prayers are shot out there faster and faster and faster because we're in a tough spot and we don't know how to handle it, and so that breathing comes, comes, comes. The breathing of prayer. And then you know what? God takes us through it. And we have learned something. And that something is that we are to relax into him every time a trial comes, every time the way is difficult. And so James begins. Is there anyone among you who is suffering? I want to pray right now. Lord God, here we are breathing, breathing our prayer. What a day to do it in. Technology's all messed up, but you're not. You're here in our midst. And Lord God, sitting here in this place, there are people who are just beginning a trial. And they don't know, they don't know if they can make it through. Sitting in this place, there are people who are in the most intense experience of their life and it seems that it will never end. And they're right there on the verge of losing hope. Oh, Lord God, there are in this place those of us who have learned that the only hope, the only answer the only help is to be found in relaxing into you in our faith. And I pray, God, that as we look at these few sentences this morning, that, Holy Spirit, you will fill our hearts and our minds. I pray that you will touch us as we have never been touched before. I'm praying for that which will cause us to marvel because our good God has touched our lives and worked in us and with us in ways never imagined. This is your word, and it is true. And we will give ourselves to it with all of our heart and our mind today in order that we might live it with all of our heart and mind for the rest of our life. Meet us here, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Is any among you suffering? Prayer, breathing like this. It's for experiencing the hard stuff. That's where we start. And the first call here is that we will remember when we are going through the hard stuff, when we are perhaps at the beginning, or maybe when we're at the middle, 
and we can't see clearly. And it seems like the, the focus, the circle of our lives has become narrowed. If anyone among you Remember, you are not alone. So often what we want to do when we start going through the trial or when the trial gets particularly significant is that we, 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 we just kind of withdraw into ourselves in order, that we might, in order that we might find all of our energy there, that we might reserve it for the time that it's needed. And, and uh, it's almost like no one else is around us, and, and we're, we are by ourselves in this. We're in the midst of a, of a storm. We're in the middle of the dark sea, but we are there by ourselves. And what James says with the, this opening is if there is anyone among you, he is saying you are in the midst of a, of a, a, a community. And this isn't just any community. You're in the midst of those who are called the members of the body of Christ. You are here in the midst, and, and in the midst of this community, there is help to be found. There are those God has appointed to come alongside and be there with you. They will walk in step with you. They will hold you. They will comfort you. They will pray for you. They will encourage you. There are those who want to help. Are any of you suffering? There is help to be found. Remember in the midst of this that you are not alone. This word suffering, what it tells us, it's a general word. As a matter of fact, it's only used a couple of places in the New Testament. And so it's kind of a special word. But this general word for suffering, it, it's speaking of those circumstances that that threaten to or have brought you to the point of weariness or great distress or despair. It is a suffering that endangers our hope. And so is there anyone among you who is suffering? This suffering that we face, it might be spiritual. We're not sure where God is in our lives. You see, the, the thing about suffering, what, is, what does James say? He, he, he goes on here, and what he says is that you must pray. If you're suffering, you must pray. And we think, well, it's pretty easy to pray, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's something that just should come naturally for a Christian. We call out to the Lord and we say, we say, Lord, this is my problem. But you see, I think that when, when we are looking at these issues of, that, that come up in our lives, that cause issues, problems in our life, the tendency is to say, Lord, I'm sick. Or Lord, my relationship is going south fast. Or, Lord, I, financially in this climate, nothing is right, and, and, and I don't know how to pay my bills, and, and I can't get enough food on the table. Or, Lord, I'm being unfairly maligned. People are coming against me, and, 
and they're lying, and, and it's not fair, it's not just. All of these things and many things like this, they come to us under the heading of suffering, this general word. And the way I used to pray was just like that. This is what I'm experiencing, Lord. I'm being maligned. This is what I'm experiencing, Lord. I can't pay this bill. My car just broke down. I can't pay to get it fixed. This is what I'm experiencing, Lord. I have a child who's, who's having issues right now, and I can't heal it. I can't make it better. This is what I'm facing. And so I lift those prayers up to the Lord. But about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, the Lord had a word for me in the midst of one of the great trials of my life. And he said to me, clear as day, think a little deeper about the issue you're bringing to me. Unsure what that meant is at first, I just kept kind of going back over, okay, this is the issue, this is the issue. And it took me a while before I discovered that this issue wasn't the real issue. The real issue was something else, and it has something to do with me. Because you know what? Here's what I know about God. Here's what I've learned about him. The central attribute of God, many would say holiness, all right? Many would say love. But here's the word that's, that, that is at the foundation for those words. The very central characteristic or the character quality of God is he is always good. It is his goodness. And so whatever, it, and, and then let's put that together with the fact that he is sovereign. Can we all agree on this? Amen. That God is sovereign. Do we agree on this? All right. And God is good. We can agree on this. All right. So if God is sovereign, which means that nothing comes to us that does not go through, through the filter of his sovereignty. And if God is good, then guess what? When, when those words come against me or when I don't have enough money in my checking account or when my relationship is having some, some kind of trouble that seems unfair or that is beyond me, the real issue is, where is your faith in this? The issue when perhaps someone is maligning you at work the issue is perhaps more our pride than it is what the other person whom I cannot control is saying. When the issue seems to be my lack of, of money in the bank, perhaps the issue is less how much money is in there and more my ability to trust him to be who he says he is, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. 
when my relationships in one way or another go south, perhaps it is much about me as it is about the other person. Perhaps my viewpoint is skewed. Perhaps I cannot entrust my relationship to God because I believe that it's all about me and my ability to control it, to deal with it. I guess I struggle a little bit with this whole message today because I'm not sure even how to communicate some of these things. But they are, they are things that while I am still exploring them, I am finding them every day to be more and more true. And so I invite you to explore with me what these issues that we need to define in our lives when we're going through trial, what they are in terms of our own personal faith and our own personal responses. So we, we want to remember that we're not alone. We want to identify our issues and what they are and understand that. And then we are to pray as we've been taught. Is there anyone among you who is suffering? Then he must pray. That's a command. He must pray. And the verb there is a verb that means he must pray continuously, which means that what we are learning to do here is we are learning how to develop the habit of the right kind of praying. This is something that we are, we are encouraged to work at. We, we, we work at, at this by, first of all, looking to ourselves. Remember back in chapter 4, verse 3, it said this, you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. We misunderstand what prayer is all about. We think prayer is all about my wishes and my desires and what I think is right and what, the way I see things. When prayer truly is about coming into an understanding of who God is in a greater way, knowing what his will is in a greater way, and praying not for my will or my, my uh, satisfaction, or, but for his glory. Because that's what prayer is. Prayer is coming to the place where you know God better. When we're praying right, we get to know God better. When we're praying right, then we begin to feel about things the way God feels about things. We begin to see things the way God sees things. And, and our faith is increased to the point where we say, you know what, God, maybe I'm not asking for the right thing. But I give this to you, and I know because you are sovereign and because you are good, you are going to answer it in that good way. Amen. You are the answer. We, we practice prayer. We establish prayer 
by, by growing in our ability to pray, but it is also a matter of, of looking to ourselves and, and, and purifying our motives and then expressing our faith. As we look at our motives, we say, I don't want it to be about me, God. I want it to be about you. And then show me who you are in this. And we learn more about, uh, about those things that we can be convinced of, that he, he is the God who has promised to guide us through every circumstance. He is the God. James, remember how James started in chapter 1, verse 2? He said, when all kinds of trials come to you, rejoice and be glad. Why? Because, because we know who God is. I believe that James, from that verse on, chapter 1, verse 2, has been preparing us for these verses, preparing us for this message. That is that God is the one that prayer is all about. When we pray rightly, we are focused on him. How do you start our prayers? Oh, God, I need. Our prayer should be started. Oh, God, I adore. Oh, God, I worship. Oh, God, I praise you. Oh, God, show me who you are in the midst of this darkness. Show me who you are in the midst of this storm. Show me who you are in the midst of this paucity in my life. When we do that, he always answers and he becomes larger and larger and larger so that our circumstances become smaller and smaller and smaller in our view. And so we express our faith in prayer. That's the biggest part of prayer, not making our request. He says, ask and you will receive, knock, you know, all those kind of things. He wants to give us good gifts, but the greater part of our prayer is learning more about who he is, being drawn in to his, to his person, his character. And the more that happens, the more we become like him in our own responses. So this kind of breathing is for experiencing the hard stuff, but it's also when things get easier. It's also when we experience what I call peace. The next, the next question James asks here in this verse is, is anyone cheerful? Cheerful. Anybody have a different word in their Bible than cheerful? What? Anybody feel message? Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone feel great among you? And then I was hearing some others over here. Happy. Okay. Happy. I don't like happy. I don't like cheerful. All right. Uh, great is okay. But you know, you know, this word, again, it's, it's, a, it's a word that, is, uh, that really means to be strong-hearted. It's only used three times in the New Testament. It's used here, and it's used... In uh, Acts chapter, it's used in Acts, whatever chapter it is, toward the end, uh, when Paul is in danger of being shipwrecked. And, and, uh, and he says to those who are on the ship, ship be strong-hearted, because God has told me we, the ship is going to be lost, but we're all going to be saved. Amen. Isn't that a great word? We sang about chaos being brought into order. How many of you think there's a little chaos going in the world right now? <laughs> you know what? That's what this word is for. Be strong-hearted. That's, that's the kind of happiness or cheerfulness or feeling great is about. 
And the thing about feeling great, though, is when we're feeling great, that is the time when it's easy for us to be diverted from God, right? Because what happens when we're feeling great, when things are good, then, then we're looking, what, what tends to take place is we look at our circumstances and say, wow, isn't this nice? I've been out on a lake in a boat with my friend Mark. And I've been on that boat when the wind is blowing and you're, you're hanging on and, and you're, you're trying to keep it upright and, and then all of a sudden, you know, the wind kind of dies. You get in one of those places where it dies. And when it happens, I think, wow, this is, this is good. It's about the time I needed a little bit of rest, you know, a little, uh, little relaxing breath here. And then, and then we can get back to it. But the wind doesn't pick up. And you sit there, and you start thinking about how far it is to the shore <laughs> and how good a swimmer you are and, and, and all those, those kind of things. And, and all of a sudden, that which was good which gave you a rest, begins, there begins to develop a fear in your heart. And, and then what we do, of course, if you're in that boat and you're not, the wind's not blowing where you are, you look over where, you are, where it is blowing, and the captain of the boat says, jump out, push. You're in deep water. And I've actually done this at the command of the captain. I've gotten out and I've pushed and swam, you know, right along with him and anybody else who happened to be there so that we could get into the wind. Now, when you're in that good place and you recognize that you have, bec you've been so, uh, you've become so focused on the circumstance that you've taken your attention off of God then what we do is we want to we get out of the circumstance and start swimming, pushing, all right? We're push, it's like pushing the boat into the wind. You're pushing the boat of your life into the wind where you can catch the wind of the Spirit again, where you can get your attention. How do you do that? Prayer. If anyone, is there, is there anyone cheerful among you, anyone of great heart among you, then sing praises. That's what he says, sing praises. So what do you do? You get out and you start, you start trying to catch the wind again. You're, you're going along. How do you do that? By say, I find that there is no better way to just start praising God when you're in the midst of the darkness or in the midst of the storm. I, for me, I go to the Psalms and I find those places where it's just praise, 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 praise. This is why you're so good. This is how you have shown off yourself to me. This is the story of Israel. This is the story of the blind man. This is the story who, who is uh, made to see again. We go through all of those things and we praise God. This is the God you are. And you are not going to abandon me and you are not going to be any other kind of God in the midst of this circumstance in which I find myself. You will be the faithful one. You will do that which causes my eyes to marvel. 
This is what prayer is all about. Praising him, bringing that praise to him. Remembering that, that, that he is creative. Notice he says, sing your praise. I call this employing the art of prayer. And that, that art means that we can pray in so many different ways. Every time we sing a song that is aimed at God, it should be turned into prayer. Every time we read, read scripture, it should be turned into prayer. We take the we's out and we put the I in. We take to our fathers, you did this with our fathers, to you, do, you can do this for me, for us, for my family, for my church. This is the God you are. You haven't changed. And so we lift our praises and, and, and maybe you do that. Maybe you say, we say, I, I don't sing very well. God doesn't care. He cares about what's coming from your heart, not what it sounds like when it comes out of here. Now, I care. <laughs> I mean, it helps us, you know. So, so God, he says, when you're praising, you're going to be drawn into who I am in a greater way. And so in your praising, remember who I am. I am a creative, I am the creative God. I created all that is around you. And so practice being creative in your expression of faith toward me in prayer. And you will find that your life is deepened in me. There's a psalm. I wasn't sure if I was going to use this, but I used it with the staff this week. It's the 118th Psalm, and I've been praying it for about two weeks now. Just the last section, verses 22 and following. But just as an example, if you can find it quick, I'll wait for you. Psalm 118, beginning of verse 22. I used to say, I, love, I still say it, I love to hear the pages rustle. And I, I love to imagine the fingers scrolling on the phone. <laughs> Psalm 118, verse 22. This is how I, kind of an idea of how I pray this prayer, or this song. Just wait a second. The stone which the builders rejected. O oh Lord God, you turned rejection of your only son into life with a capital L for me. This is your doing. That's the next verse. And it is marvelous in my eyes. I can barely comprehend it. This day, God, no matter 
the chaos around me, no matter the darkness where I can't see my hand in front of my face, no matter the storm, this day, it's yours. And I'm going to rejoice in you. Not the circumstance. I'm going to rejoice in you in the midst of the circumstance. And I'm going to be glad because you are with me, my God, ever faithful. Oh, Lord, please. Please save this one I'm praying for. Please save me out of this disheartened condition in which I find myself. Please save me out of the stress which is I'm allowing to take control of my life. Please send me that prosperity, not that the world looks at and calls prosperity, but the prosperity that, that you call prosperity, the kind of spiritual input I need in my lives. Give that to me. Oh, Lord God, I will speak it. The one who has come in your name is the blessed one and the only blessed one. I bless you from the house of the Lord. All my days, I will practice blessing your name because you are worthy, because you are good. You are the Lord God, and you have given me light now in this darkness, and that light is none other than Jesus. Lord, here I am standing before the horns of the altar where the sacrifice was laid alive and put to death, restrained so that it could not fight. Here the sacrifice was put to death. Here, Lord, before you this day, I want to lay my life I want to lay the inconsistencies. I want to lay the unbelief. I want to lay it all before you and give it to you and stand here <laughs> naked and unashamed because of your love for me. And so I give thanks to you, O Lord, because the love I experience from you right now in my life is everlasting. It will go on and on. It will never, ever fail me. I bless you, O oh God. And so, when you're cheerful, when you're strong-hearted, in the midst of the storm, sing praises. And then verse 14, if anyone, back in our passage, James, four, four, uh, James 5, if any one of you is sick, then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him. This breathing we're talking about, this breathing of prayer is for when we need help. It is a recognition that we need help. 
The malady that is spoken of here, this is a different word from the word suffering up above. It's a, it's a unique word for sickness, and it speaks of that sickness, which is, um, which is uh, a, a sickness that, that uh, brings, it's almost like paralysis, you know? It brings us to that point where we, we, we are at that place where I know that I cannot do for myself. At that time, don't let pride get in the way. Call for help. It says call for the elders. In the early church, the church of, uh, that James was writing to, the elders, were they, were they were those who were spiritually mature. They were those in the congregation. They were those who, who knew how to pray. They were those who knew how to find the mind of God in particular situations. Those who would labor and labor. We picture in our minds oftentimes when we read this verse that the elders come and notice, the elders come. This individual apparently cannot come to them. And so this is a severe issue. The elders come and, and, they, and they pray over this individual. Well, when they come and they pray over this individual, what, it's going to talk about the prayer of faith, which we're going to talk about next week. But when they come and they pray over this individual, they come as those who are seeking the mind of God so that they can know how to pray the will of God for this individual. When we, in our minds, we oftentimes think, okay, the elders come, boom, it happens, they're raised up, they're healed. There is a laboring that goes on in this picture that I have, and that laboring is to seek out to ask questions, to, to know what's going on, praying to God for insight in what's going on in this individual's life. When I was in youth ministry, just a little bit ago, we had a young guy, great athlete, one of the great athletes in the high school. And he came to me with his girlfriend one day and, and he said, I have a brain tumor. And, uh, and so we're going in for surgery. And I just, I just want, I'm afraid. And immediately, the Lord told me, it was like this sense came on me Immediately, call all the youth together and tell them God is going to heal. And so pray that. Here's the surgery date. Here's the surgery time. God is going to heal. Pray that. Claim it. We were on vacation when the surgery took place. But they found me, they called me, the kids, and they said, have you heard, have you heard? No, I haven't heard, what's going on? Well, they the guy's name was David. They took David in, and when they, when they went, did the surgery and looked for the tumor, I mean, it was there on the, on the x-ray just prior to surgery. They opened him up, it was gone. 
I've seen people healed, but I haven't seen a healing like that since. I had a husband and wife come to me. She had just been diagnosed with MS. One of the most uh, available people, one of the most gifted people, this woman, one of the most uh, delightful and, and active people I knew. And at age 48, diagnosed with MS. And it was fast moving. Ultimately, they called for me and the elders to come. I said, give me a couple of days to fast and to pray. Took that time. I don't, these are two occasions. I don't hear God speak to me like this all the time. But, and what it comes as is more of a conviction that you know without a doubt is true. And on this occasion, the Lord said, she will not be healed, but it will be good. And we went and we prayed and I asked for healing anyway because my father understands how weak I am sometimes. And she was not healed, Maggie. But like our friend Lud Captain, who has gone to be with the Lord, Maggie touched more lives than ever she would have, I think, had she not gone through that. And perhaps her neighbor, who was a believer, might have gone through that and not touched the lives that Maggie did because of who Maggie was going through that. So this is what we pray for. We pray for wisdom. We pray for God's will, and we look for God's purpose in whatever the outcome is. It tells us, too, that prayer is the major responsibility of the elders. And I would suggest to you that the elders are more than a group of individuals who meet on Thursdays. The elders are those who are mature in their faith and know how to discover the mind of Christ. Now I'm going to ask you to do something this morning. Mark, I wonder if I can get you guys to come up here. And maybe it's going to be uncomfortable. I hope it's not after what we've been talking about. But I'm going to ask you to do something We've used a couple of words. Suffering. I'm going to use another one in the place of cheerful, and that is maybe, maybe the good times that are, have distracted you from the Lord. So suffering. Distracted. And then Sick. If you're suffering to the point of weariness about something, if you're distracted by something away from the Lord, if you're sick and you're losing or have lost hope, I'm not asking anyone these days to come up here because 
I mean, we're all sitting pretty close, but I'm just trying to be, I think, what God asks us to do and be careful with the COVID virus and all that. This is an act of faith. I know it's going to be hard. It always is to say I'm weak in one way or another. But if you're here this morning, I believe God has some help for you through the prayers of the saints. And so I'm just going to ask you if any one of those words, suffering, sick, distracted, if any one of those, if that's you, would you stand? See? They're here. Now, everyone else, I want you to raise a hand toward one of the people around you. Might need to use two hands. There's a lot of them. And I want you to pray this prayer of faith with me. Oh, Lord God, you feel the pain. You feel the disheartedness, the discouragement, the despair. You feel the confusion and the bewilderment. All of these things our good God feels. You are the sovereign Lord, and you are good. And I pray for each individual standing that you will touch their lives in the way they need touched, that you will bring that healing, that hope, that encouragement, that strength that they need this day. Oh, Lord God, for your glory, because you are good. And we want everyone around us to know that, to feel it, to see it, to hear it. We are your people, your children, and you love us so. So that we just wanna sing your praise. We want to worship and adore. We want to exalt you and lift your name on high for our friends, for the fellow members of your body. Oh, Lord God, thank you. You're doing a work right now. We claim it. We believe it. In the name of Jesus, amen.